Hello, and welcome to the Balancing Act podcast with Singer Lee Wack, where we teach you about the innovative solutions to help balance your business. Thank you for tuning in. We're glad you're here. Welcome to another in our series of digital transformation discussions in our Singer Lee Wack Balancing Act podcast production. I'm Bob Green. I'm the leader and the partner of our Singer Lee Wack business informatics practice. My experience before providing strategic IT advisory over the last 20 years includes serving as a CPA at PwC and as a CFO. Today, I'm thrilled to introduce Claire Rosso. She's a longtime friend, a multiple-time client, and a professional colleague. She's here to discuss another side of the cybersecurity world, the one that helps ensure that there are adequate, well-trained, sound technologists, practitioners, and professionals to execute the work of cybersecurity, which protects the digital assets that we all treat as so vital to our business. Today isn't a cyber how-to, it really is more of an insight about the conditions present in our cyber service and delivery market today. Claire Rosso is CEO of ISC2. She has decades of experience helping global professional associations and certifying bodies grow and strengthen member value. Under Claire's leadership, ISC2 has experienced record growth of its global community through the launch of several key initiatives. The initiatives have helped develop a pipeline to fill the cybersecurity workforce gap, which we're going to hear a little bit more about today. In the past year, I've had to dodge Claire's globetrotting, where she is on a mission to inform and advocate about cybersecurity best practices, because as she's reminded me, cyber is a global borderless issue. She's been in the White House, London, Dubai, Canada, and other locations, and is probably off somewhere else in about another day or two. Claire has been also in an executive leadership role at the AICBA and also at California CBA, or also known as CalCBA. The latter is where I met her, and she sponsored my first professional journal article, for which I'm grateful, and I've not really stopped writing and speaking about IT since. So let's get started, and thank you, Claire, for joining us today. All right, Bob. Well, thank you. It is fantastic to be here with you. And who would have known all those decades ago when you wrote that first very good, I might add, article for me that we'd be here today talking about cybersecurity? Yeah, I wonder if the words cyber and security were put together back then, but they are now. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so, they are now. Yeah. yeah, we've been through quite some journeys. And uh, I will say that that uh, Claire is not the uh, technician who is uh, fine-tuning firewalls and other security apparatus around the globe. So uh, she's very much in the leadership and executive and, and an advocacy position. And it's just been such a pleasure to, to watch you. So we're going to get into some things that are really very current and near and dear to the to not just ISC2, but also where the where the world's going. Um, Claire, do you want to, before we jump into some of the questions, do you want to share just a little bit about what ISC2's uh, mission and work is before we dive into some of the challenges? Sure. So ISC2, we have a really simple vision. Our vision is for a safe and secure cyber world. And the way we help support that vision is by certifying cybersecurity professionals. We have 380,000 members, candidates, and associates with our organization right now. We have 10 different certifications we offer. CISSP is our most well-known. It's the gold standard of cybersecurity certifications. It is to cybersecurity what CPA is to accounting. Uh, we also have a very fast-growing new certification that I'll talk a little bit more about later called Certified in Cybersecurity, which is a tool we're using to help individuals and employers find people to move into cybersecurity roles. 
That was great. Thank you. Um, and and just keeping up the good mission. We we appreciate what you're doing out there. Just as a as a business leader who's hoping people really take seriously the assets that are digital in their in their realm. So let's get right into it. I know um, we've talked about this one particular issue, and I, I think we're going to jump in, which is what is what do you see, Claire, right now as, as the largest or among the largest cybersecurity challenges that global organizations are facing right now? So my answer may surprise you or may surprise some of your listeners, but truly, and it is agreed upon by leaders around the globe, one of the biggest issues we have in the cybersecurity realm is our unfilled demand for information and system security professionals. It is growing globally. We annually do a global workforce study for cybersecurity. And while we saw supply grow last year to 4.7 million cybersecurity professionals, that was 11% increase over 2021, um, demand has grown even more. So we have 3.4 million unfilled cybersecurity roles around the globe. And that's a problem for all of us. That's a 74% increase to just address known demand. Wow. Wow, that dwarfs, there's a very significant shortage of CPAs, but that's dwarfed by a couple of zeros (laughs) by the the shortage (laughs) in cyber personnel. That's surprised me. We, we don't joke about the people who've been left off, laid off in the tech sector, right. but we could hire everyone who's been laid off in the tech sector, and we would not have even had a drop in the bucket in terms of dealing with our cybersecurity workforce gap. So I can appreciate the impact of that. I mean, there's there's people out there, uh, and we see this when we try and qualify providers for our clients, and that is, you know, how real are they and what do they really know? And it's an area that executives, I, I think, uh, and I'm, I'm sure you agree, they don't understand necessarily how to evaluate the competency of whether it's systems providers, systems advisors, or even uh, their IT leaders in their own companies, much less cyber, which is even more complicated. Uh, you'd agree? I I would agree with that. I I would agree that across our ecosystem, we need to elevate cyber literacy. We need my 84-year-old mother needs to elevate her cyber literacy. But at the same time, CEOs of organizations, boards of directors, we're going to be hearing something from the SEC any day now about that. But just leaders within organizations need to understand what's important to their organization from an information and system security perspective and how that is creating strategic risk for them. Yeah, and what to do about it, right? I mean, exactly. it seems like so, you know, the concept people go, yeah, cyber's a worry, but you mentioned what a cyber program should be. And, and I know we as a team can help companies with that, but most people don't understand there's an executional strategy, you know, and you need professionals that know how to do it. And, and to your point about the certs that you guys provide and the trainings, it's helping that happen. So. I guess the bigger question is what happens if we don't address the challenge, if it, this workforce gap is a is a problem and, and the number of cyber risks are not getting smaller? Well, it's going to put, we're going to see more and more businesses who have cyber attacks go out of business. One of the scariest things we learned in our workforce study last year was that 95% of businesses with 100 or fewer employees have no information or system security professionals at all. And if we think about how many global economies, and even the U.S. economy is driven by small business, that should be a concern for everyone. 
Yeah, absolutely. And data. You know, it has to be direct yeah. and there and available when you need it. Um, right. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, the it is it is a you know existential threat to to our our industries right now. Um, I guess to that end, though, you know, obviously your 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 organization is a certification education uh, organization, among others. I mean, how how can you guys help, and how can we as as business leaders in general close the gap? So there's a couple things. I think the first thing I'd like to share is what happens in organizations when they don't have enough cybersecurity staff. Because we we ask, we ask, what's happening because you don't have enough staff? Okay. And what they're telling us is we don't have enough time for proper risk assessment and management. We are there are oversights to our processes and procedures. We are slow to patch critical systems. I think there was a day in our lives, it was probably decades ago, when updates to us of technology meant, oh, new functionality. Right. You know, I know that most patches and updates to our operating systems or our technology today is all about closing cybersecurity gaps. Mm-hmm. So. We 39% of teams that have not enough cybersecurity professionals telling us that's a problem. We're not patching our systems fast enough and we're misconfiguring our systems and we don't have enough resources to adequately train our staff because we know that it's everyone in the company that help, that can put the company at risk and we need to invest in training professionals. Absolutely. You know, it's interesting. I even think of something at the bare basic level that's not even a business problem is how many people with uh, iPhones or Android devices don't even understand what that little notification says about updating those, you know, and every time you read what those updates are, it's not usually because they're they're adding some new feature only. It's usually more security patches. And oh, by the way, there's an improvement to your, you know, ability to text message. So exactly. And how do we open up? Great. And I I am, you've known me for decades. I've been a telecommuter for decades. But when the pandemic opened up remote work, it made the threat landscape explode. Because now you don't have your employees within the confines of your network within your office building. You are having people um, dial into your network through their home Wi-Fi devices and 17% of them have never reset the default password. 100%. And they have all the connected devices within their house. So lots and lots of risk and lots of reasons to educate all our employees in our organizations. Yeah, and to your point, you know, it's one thing, you know, we 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 and others have, have always kind of advocated, I know you agree, that you have to harden, you know, the security of the organization and the controls and, and the devices yeah. and things. But, you know, once you leave the, the walls, um, as, as, as well thought out as an upgrade to making sure the dynamic, you know, you know, Microsoft 365, all of your email and data, for example, if they're secure, that's, that's one thing you have to do because right out of the box, it's not necessarily as secure as it could be. You know, what about the, the, to your point, the person at home on their, you know, their, their firewall, if they even have one or their router, if they even have one, um, just, just is a complete, or their, you know, or their open password door. on yeah. it, if they even have a, and so actually yeah. that, that's why that goes back to, and this sort of, this also brings us back to what's going to help us with, with the workforce gap. So first, uh-huh. um, we need to raise everybody's cyber literacy. They need to understand why this is important. We need to, at the highest level of organizations, explain 
why information system security is critical to the strategic imperatives of business. Uh, we just saw a data breach. They called it a leak, but a data breach was making headlines this weekend when the defense documents in the U.S. got leaked to yep. the public. Yep. <laughs> that's a... That's that's information security. We should be worried about that information getting leaked out to the public. It's an interesting example of what we're seeing. So we need to we need to increase everybody's cyber literacy, but we also need to face the stark reality that we can't do what the cybersecurity profession historically has done, which is they have taken people from IT, had them hop the fence and come over to cyber. There's just not enough people around to do the work that the IT and tech teams need and do the work the security team needs. So we've done some research and we have found out that there is a core set of non-technical skills and personality skills or mindset attributes that lead Mm -hmm. to very successful careers in cybersecurity. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that we've been advocating to employers and we're starting to see employers do is say, you know what? Start to hire for those non-technical skills. Find out that folks have the right personality attributes or mindsets, and then train them on the technical. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Let's, let's break. Can I break that down a little bit? Please? Yeah, please, absolutely. All right. So non yeah, because it's all, a lot of it comes down to the people aspect, as uh, it always does. Keep going. Mm-hmm. And okay, so non-technical skills. People who are successful in cyber are people who can work in a team and work independently. They have good project management skills, good customer service experience, and they have great presentation skills, both verbal and written. At the same time, the personality attributes that lead to somebody being very successful in cyber are people who are problem solvers, they're creative, which goes back to problem solving, Mm-hmm. Analytical thinkers, they have a desire to learn, which is super important when your threat landscape is ever-changing, mm-hmm. and they're critical thinkers. So if you can hire people that are able to exhibit those non-technical and personality attributes for you, then you can train for the technical. However, how do you know somebody's going to be good at the technical? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's hard. I'll, I'll answer my own question. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> okay. I'll answer my own question because that's what employers ask us. They said, well, okay, I'm willing to believe you, but how do I know somebody's going to yep. understand the technical and have the aptitude for that? Right. And so what we've done is we created a new certification. It's no experience. It's called Certified in Cybersecurity. And what it does is it tests across the core domains of the profession to say, does this individual have an aptitude for cybersecurity? So it's Mm -hmm. testing on uh, incident response, disaster recovery. It's testing on Hmm. network security. It's testing on access control and security principles and other areas that are core to the profession. And someone who passes that is more likely to, when you go to train them for the technical skills, be good to go at that. And at the same time, for I know, it's fascinating. Yeah, it's not and surprising. Then, and then at the same time for individuals, while well, we've created it for employers, it also helps an individual because they're saying, hmm, cybersecurity, that looks like that a might good work job. For me. 
looks yep. like good job security, but am I interested in the technical side of it? And it gives a chance for somebody to have exposure to the technical side. Yes, it's so interesting because I think we all think of cyber in our heads when we, we, we address what that means. People think technology right away. And the reality is cyber risk is, is it's behavioral problems that cause things to become risks. You know, someone had to be a bad actor, a bad behavior uh, exhibitor. And then the the people that have to understand in their own companies how to make sure that they they mitigate that risk have to behave in a certain way, you know, how to be careful, know when, know when to not open an email or know what to do. And um, when certain things arise or people share things with them and, you know, behavior is important. But to your point, you know, the aptitude for technical capabilities is, you know, either you have it or you don't. And to your point, the ideal person would have the ability to have that demonstrated as well as the soft side, which is right, right. And I think what you said too is really important. There's a huge aspect of cybersecurity that's really risk management. Mm-hmm. Yep, it's all about risk management. So yep. you coming from a CPA background, me working for the CPAs for decades, big <laughs> yep. crossover here, and thinking about controls and the control environment you have within your organization. And we've been talking about financial controls in the business community and risk management on the financial side of our businesses for years. Mm -hmm. And now we're bringing to the fore the fact that we need to talk about risk management of our information and systems and what are the controls we have in place to support Mm -hmm. this as well. And we have people who understand what they're doing to make sure those controls are working. So to paraphrase, if I'm if I'm an executive and I or an entrepreneur and I'm, I'm I, or both, I guess they can be both, um, or just any business manager who's responsible for you know making sure our data is safeguarded and we're really taking care of <clears throat> the the digital risks to our business, I should be thinking more about you know not just finding the IT team and and having them address cyber, but to maybe think beyond that and find some people that that would be, be you know suitable for becoming more active in our cyber defenses. And activities right. that could, you know, utilize certain types of certifications that ISC2 can do or, or others. So, I mean, that's that's just super important. And it, it really starts with leadership like everything else to recognize that there is an issue to deal with. Right. I, I actually always start with those mindset skills and think of who are the good problem solvers and analytical and critical thinkers in my business. Mm-hmm. And they're coming from finance, they're coming from internal audit, they're coming from legal, they're coming from business backgrounds. And frankly, when we talk to employers who are doing a lot of hiring, they're also hiring English majors. We also seem to think that we also seem to think that musical folks have a propensity, maybe it's that creativity bit Uh (laughs) for cybersecurity as well. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, because music majors so much of the time now are in front of a computer so much. (laughs) <laughs> um, it's really true. Um, okay, this is this is super helpful. I'm going to shift a little bit, um, which is I know uh, you know you guys are working hard to close the gap with some of the, the offering certain certifications, but you know are, are there other sorts of things you guys are doing as an organization that you're seeing the community as a whole starting to do to close that gap? So we are, so, you know, it starts with certification. So it certainly Mm -hmm. starts with certification and driving people to certification and awareness and helping employers with best practice. But one of the other really important roles that we can play as an organization and as a global organization is we can help connect the dots between jurisdictions. So over the past couple of years, Cybersecurity regulation and laws have proliferated. 
And every jurisdiction is doing it a little differently. Just like privacy. Exactly like privacy, but not as evolved as privacy, really. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Not as evolved as privacy. So one of the so one of the things that we've done, and we're issuing this report in late April, is we looked at five major jurisdictions around the globe. So we looked at the U.S., Canada, the U.K., Singapore, Japan, oops, six jurisdictions, and the EU. And we looked at what they have been doing from a cyber policy perspective to see what themes we can see and what best practices there are and how we can help the world's legislators and regulators move to a more harmonized state. Because mm-hmm. as you mentioned earlier, cybersecurity, information and system security is a borderless issue. Yes. And we can't have professionals when we're, they're in such a short supply jumping through hoops to be able to serve the needs of their global clients. Yeah, so much of the cyber risk we face is 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 you know usually originated somewhere else anyway. <laughs> so it's you know there's people out there that have skill sets that maybe we don't want to know that are not on the good side of things, and then we have to be able to be tackling them whenever wherever they are, frankly. And 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 in cybersecurity, like it is with accounting and finance, the having working with professionals who are committed to ethical best practices uh-huh. that they are committed to through their certification and the renewal of their certification, working with certification bodies like ISC two, uh, that's really important as well. Um, we play in the cyber defense space. ISC two mm-hmm. stands mm-hmm. for cyber defenders, but. We know perfectly well there's a lot of, if you look at the hacking community, which has great value in cyber defense, that can easily swing one way or another. And it's really important that you're dealing with professionals who have committed to ethical best practices. Mm. That comes up in every topic these days besides security. Yeah. Yeah. So interesting. I appreciate that. you, one of the one of the thoughts are there's all these different ways to to you know I'll use the word upskill of a cybersecurity team um, where we might think about what can we do to to make it more effective to maybe make it more robust or even become a little bit better at targeting some of the risks specific to our organizations. Um, we talked about virtual you know CISOs and things and maybe we can describe some of that. But what what are your thoughts about how do you upskill the team? I think there's a couple things here. I think first you got to know where you're upskilling them in. So that's all about them doing the risk assessment and their organization is going to need to figure out, can I do my own risk assessment? Can I look at my top strategic priorities and understand what is the information or system risk associated with each of those? And what um, could hinder those objectives? Right. right. What could get in the way? What could get yep. in the way? And um, and if you can't do the risk assessment yourself, you might be able to do an okay job yourself, but bring in the expertise to do it. But that doesn't even necessarily need to be full-time expertise. Talk about the virtual CISO, or there's many consultancies out there that are helping to support that kind of cyber risk analysis that then will allow you to target the areas within your business of where do I need the most help and Mm -hmm. how do I go about getting that? Um, There's lots and lots of education out there in terms of helping people learn skills in the cyberspace. 
the reason certifications have so much value is they, especially if they're accredited, they're typically globally recognized. So an employer will say, hey, I know what a CISSP is. I know what a CISSP can do. So I'm probably going to hire the CISSP over the person who went and did an executive education course at XYZ University. Because they're not sure what that person who went to the university program did, but they know what they're getting from the person who's earned a certification from a particular provider. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So interesting. I mean, there's a, it, it really kind of comes down to the, what the company's risk is, right? So if I'm a, if I'm a right. company leader, I'm trying to figure out, well, just how deep do I need to go? And maybe if I don't know how to do it, where do I find it? What do they need to be certified with so I can trust them? And one of the other things, Bob, that I mm-hmm. think is really, I found really interesting about this profession, is a lot of people working in this space on a fractional basis. So mm-hmm. not all full-time jobs. So that means, so when we even talk about the cybersecurity workforce of 4.7 million, that's people spending 25% or more of their time in cybersecurity. Mm which is interesting, but what that makes the opportunity that presents for organizations is, again, look around at your other teams. Who might be able to come on on a project basis and help us with some of the work we need to do to shore up our cyber defenses? I think it's a really, it's a big opportunity. And in a profession where you're always on, it's 24-7, Mm-hmm. But that cyber professionals, they're always on, they're always thinking about the risk because the cyber attackers never stop. Yeah, so the so. cyber defenders never stop. And so when you can rotate people in and out on a project basis, that has great value within an organization as well, culturally. Yeah, I think about the the mid-sized companies out there, not necessarily the smaller ones, but mid-size and larger. They've got, you know, staff that are in some of the skill, core skill sets you talked about earlier. The the things that I think are more about organization development and project management and project oversight and, and you know, some of the people that are getting things done necessarily not always cyber. And, yeah. and those are people that sometimes, you know, whether they're program managers, change managers, whatever they are, um, maybe they can be reallocated a little bit and trained better to understand how to tackle this piece as well. Um, and they already have tribal knowledge of the company. So that's already a step of the head, a step ahead if you can just add to their, their tool set. And employees love that. Employees yeah. love that. They want to see career paths and opportunities for them beyond the tasks on their desk today. Yeah. So, and actually from a culture, we've done research to back this up from a cultural perspective, Employees are much more satisfied in organizations where they see growth opportunities than those where the employer saying, hey, heads down, just work with what, what I gave you today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It could be a win-win. It's all good. You know, we're going to jump now to a, I want you to maybe think on behalf of those who are in the audience today. And, and not that we haven't been, but I want to be more specific. I mean, we're, we're, we're right now recording this in April of 23. Uh, so at some point, hopefully a year from now, and someone's listening, they go, I remember that. Um, but, you know, we're in, a, we're in a potential economic downturn. It's I'm not trying to be doom and gloom, nor are you, I know. But it, people are certainly starting to make some cuts and start thinking about making, making cuts to the, the staffing in the organization. And and I think based on conversation today, you know, I know you and I agree with this. And I'm sure people listening do too. It's like, I'm not so sure cyber is like the place you would want to cut at this point um, and, and start removing professionals in that area or even that capability. So 
Have you any insights on that? Because that's or any advice you can give to the the listeners about maybe where they may want to look at cyber as a risk spend versus somewhere else. Yeah, I so we actually did some research on this. We talked to folks mm-hmm. in the C-suite, and we did not talk to CIOs or CISOs. So we specifically excluded them from this research. And we said, when you're thinking, if you are thinking about making cuts in this time of economic uncertainty, what areas of the business would you cut? And then we we dug in and asked specific questions about cyber. And we actually got mm-hmm. some good news. Um, so first of all, the realization of the importance of cyber and IT, because IT fell just behind cyber on some of these results. So IT technology within organizations, um, the way leaders think about it is shifting. So they're no longer just thinking about it as back office expense-based functions, but really we had 87% of those C-suite folks tell us that we understand that if we reduce our cybersecurity teams, that would increase the risk to our organization. Mm -hmm. And they also understand the weakening economy can increase cyber risk. And think about both when you think, when leaders think about cyber risk, they need to be thinking about it both from an external perspective And and from an insider threat perspective. Mm-hmm. Like think of some of the large technology companies that over the past couple of months did layoffs and had some unique things happen that were, um, uh, no one will ever say for sure, but they think, you know, it was an insider who mm-hmm. yeah, leaks made this thing happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that's something that organizations really need to think about, especially if they're in a place where they are laying off employees. Really look at their insider threat program and are you protecting yourself from the people that have um, access to your systems? Mm-hmm. You know, when people, when people, I'm going to dive into a little bit of your technical, not very deep thoughts, so it'll be all right. Um, <laughs> you know, when people leave the organization, do you remove their permissions? Do you update and give somebody else those permissions? Are you having least privilege access within your organization, making mm-hmm. sure someone simply has the minimal amount of access that they need to do their job and nothing more? Like small things like that and decisions that employers make there can make a huge difference and go far for protecting their their defenses. But overall, we heard cyber was the, would be the last to go that they really valued. They thought the risk was too big and they really valued the role that the cyber professionals are playing within their organization. And technology was right behind that, that they were mm-hmm. – um, I know we've seen layoffs in the tech sector, but the companies really were worried about losing their technology staff and perhaps losing some of the gains they've made over the past couple of years. Yeah, it's keeping lights on and also keeping the the things that are lit up secure, to your point. Um, yeah. We are seeing we are seeing some interest. That same survey told us there was definitely interest in can we increase adoption of automation? And that's a theme we've seen for the past couple of years. You know, people are talking Mm -hmm. about cloud still, as they should be. People are talking about cloud. They're talking about data, data analytics. They're talking about automation. And then they're talking about things like AI and other ways that both, they're talking about AI today, both as an enhancement to their business, but also as a threat to their business. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. It's, you know, I, I think we're, we, we don't even know where that one's going to go. Wouldn't you love to turn the clock forward a year and ask people, no. well, remember when we, we learned about chat GPT and GPT-4? They'll say, yeah, that's old news. <laughs> I just, aren't you just a little amused about the idea that we would just stop work on AI? Yeah. Yeah. And just put some boundaries but, around it. I think we're all very nervous, but yeah, you know, but not really. out of the bag. Not right. realistic. Yeah. So it's there. Let's, let's talk about how to best manage it. Yeah, and we'll, exactly. Uh, this is where the audience will we can recognize where Claire and I could go topically. It's all over the map, so we'll, we'll stick we'll stick with where we are. Um, Put me back, Claire. I do have a question though. Um, and maybe we'll close on this unless there's other questions or points you want to make sure that we discuss. Um, you know, universities are are you know you hear people questioning the 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 expense or the validity, and I and I think that this is the inverse, right? This is like you don't need a full degree to get some certification um, and to understand what to do about cyber cybersecurity work. And I'm wondering though, you know, are universities coming around to developing better cyber culture uh, in terms of awareness and majors and other sorts of opportunities to, to educate? Where people are graduating stronger and more interested in this, or is that is that something that you're not seeing move as much as you you had hoped? I'm, I'm curious. It's really interesting. There is a there is a chasm. Let's let's take the state. Your mm. let's take the state of California that we both know very well. Um, you have three major post secondary education um, institutions. Sure. So you have community UCs. colleges. You have the UCs and you have the state schools. As a rule, the best place to go if you're thinking about cyber and that we see the curriculum and the programs moving in a very positive way to align with what the market is demanding is at the community college level. Mm. Because community college is really all about employability. And then if I were going to go ranking the schools, I would say the state schools come next because the state schools in California have always been about employability. So we've seen a proliferation of degree programs in cyber. But what we're really looking toward and what we're partnering on is how do we align those degree programs to what employers are demanding? And so sometimes with some universities, what we're doing is we're embedding our certificate programs within their their degree programs. Mm -hmm. We we Mm -hmm. have a university that their bachelors um, in cybersecurity, their their uh, what do you call that final exam you take? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, (laughs) you know what I mean. You know Uh what I mean. Y'all know what I mean. Um, Is actually taking the exam for one of our certifications. And that, and that is really, it's really fantastic to see that kind of alignment in the marketplace. We, we just started an academic outreach program this year. And already by the end of Q1, we had quintupled our expectations for the year in terms of the number of universities we would be able to partner with. So I see things changing. Is so the answer to your question. Yeah, and standardization is so important. I mean, you just don't want universities providing somebody with a certain, you know, uh, major with a name on it that doesn't really have 
training consistent with the certifications out there either. It doesn't help. It confuses the 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 employer eventually, right? Say, yeah, right, right. And so employers just find it e- in in cyber, especially right now, employers just find it easier to say, you know what, let's just hire for the certification. But I do mm-hmm. think there's a place for those degree programs as well. And when we actually look across the cyber profession high percentages of people that have bachelor's degrees and master's degrees as well. But you can just start with certification and be hired into the job market. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So interesting. You know, look, this is this has been good. I think we're uh, we're good for this topic. Is there anything else you want to share uh, before we, we we adjourn today? I would just say this. I would say make this a priority. Make your information and system security a priority within your business. Think of it in terms of the strategic needs of your business. And I didn't mention this about our certified in cybersecurity program. And I will now, because if you have people on your team that you want to move into cybersecurity, we've committed to putting 1 million people through that program for free. Over the next couple of years, we're just closing in on 200,000 enrolled in the program, but we have an option to help people dip in and understand the value of a cybersecurity career for free and so take advantage of it. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I think I remember you told me you were starting that a little a little while back. Um, yeah. To, to do that, and, and I think it's helpful for, for anyone listening, if they do want to learn more about any of the topics, and I assume some of the studies, if not all of them that you've shared, are going to be on the website. Um, but uh, do you want to give them the website information and anything sure. else you'd like, you'd like the listeners to know? Sure. Our website is isc2.org. It's that simple, isc2.org. And you can find information about our certifications there and our research and you can learn how you might have a career in cybersecurity. So thanks, Bob. I appreciate well, your time today. Yeah, you too. Well we'll have to start recruiting posters all over all around town for people to become, you know, <laughs> if not full time, part time cyber professionals as well. So yeah. Uh, no, thanks for everything, Claire. It's always a pleasure and uh, uh, we'll talk soon. Thank you right, listeners thanks, as well Bob. and uh, we'll see you on the next uh, balancing act. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of The Balancing Act by Singerly Wack. We hope you enjoyed the segment and gained some insight on how to keep your business balanced. You can tune in every Thursday morning to gain a sense of balance in this fast-paced business industry. You can listen on singerlywack.com, YouTube, or anywhere podcasts are available. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.